Well, it is Resurrection Sunday, and that means I get out my resurrection socks, and I do it every year, and I show them off every year because it's the one time a year I wear them. And the church uh, for centuries has responded uh, with, He is risen indeed, when uh, the preacher or the pastor says, He is risen. So, uh, when I say that real loud, uh, why don't you proclaim it back to me that he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And we believe it. The sting of death is gone. Do you remember your first bee sting? I do. I <laughs> uh, grew up in Howard County, just north of here, and uh, we had this uh, townhouse in Barnside, and Carlos Bustamante lived next door. Uh, he and I became fast friends when we moved. I was about six years old, and w- we, we just shared a joy for G.I. Joes, you know, and uh, so we're playing G.I. Joes out in this a front little uh, patch of grass and mud, and, and the daffodils and, uh, had been springing up, and, and all these little yellow flowers, and, and the bees were flying, and, and we were building a, a fantastic fort for G.I. Joe battle. Uh, even so much so, uh, we were throwing G.I. Joes out of the top window with little makeshift parachutes, and they were landing on the grass beneath, and then, then we would battle with them. It was such great joy and fun. It was amazing. Me and Carlos were having such a great time. Of course, we were barefoot. Little six-year-old me, little six-year-old him playing. All of a sudden, ah! Stung. Right in between my pinky toe and whatever the other name for that toe next to it is. A welt starts coming up and tears start falling from my eyes. Uh, my, my fun world of joy and, and, and play was shattered and, and out comes running my mom. What happened? What happened? I got stung. And she's, you know, I could see the relief a little bit on her face. She thought it was much worse. She grabs me in her arms. I'm still crying like crazy. She sends my brother. And he comes back with toothpaste. I'm thinking, Mom, what are you doing? She squeezes some, puts it on her finger, smears it all over that bee sting. And as she's holding me, it's working. (laughs) I'm like... I don't feel that bad anymore. And Carlos and I went back to playing. It was a joyous rest of the afternoon. Do you remember the first time that life stung you? Uh, The brokenness of life or an illness. Uh, The hand you were dealt as a kid. uh, You didn't grow up with parents. They were absent. Or do you remember that time life stung you and you got that call back into the doctor's office sooner than you'd expected you'd be visiting him again? And he explained all that was going on in your body and, and it wasn't good. 
Do you remember when life stung you and your job, uh, it didn't keep going up. Actually, you, you lost it. You lost your job. You couldn't provide for your family. Or you, you were all alone. And you wanted friendships and relationships. And you never got them. Or, or, or you got married and you, you found yourself longing for a child that never came. Do you remember when life first deeply stung you? Do you remember, you remember that first time that sin stung you? And maybe your own sin or someone else's sin. Uh, you, you didn't have a mom that comforted you. You had a dad that hit you. Do you remember that first time that sin stung you? Maybe it was your own sin or someone else's sin. When that little sin that you had kind of kept managing just grew secretly in your life and became an addiction, it sucked the joy out of life and it destroyed relationships. Uh, do you remember when sin first stung you? Uh, that lie you told about someone came back and it, it, it got you. The slander that this person was doing uh, about you made you lose your job. Or the abuse you faced in this or that situation or as you grew up. When was the first time you tasted the sting of death? That first person you really loved deeply. Man, they were a good friend or they were a grandma like, like a mom even to you. And you went to the funeral, and what happens at every funeral happened there. The pastor stood up, and they tried to convince you, oh, she's still with us now in our thoughts. Or are happy now looking down on us. He tried to convince you of the eternality or the longevity of that life that you so deeply felt was gone. You knew it was gone. And then try to convince you that they are good enough that they will make it into all of eternity. And yet you knew how they lived. Remember when the sting of death first stung you? It was so physical. It was so final. Even so much so that in fear it made you and makes me look forward to the day I die and shudder a little bit with fear. I love Resurrection Sunday. Listen to the day that is coming in verse 54 of chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians. One day when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass that saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A day is coming when death will be swallowed up. The, the, the verb there is gulped down, completely gone. 
We won't have to pretend that the brokenness of our world doesn't exist. We won't have to pretend that, that death is not around the corner. It'll be swallowed up and gone. Uh, this may be one of the few biblical taunts. <laughs> this is a biblical taunt. Uh, here it goes. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The answer to these questions is nowhere. Uh, my littlest, to seven, Leo, played basketball last season. He's okay. The team was terrible. They were down 26-0. Leo gets the ball. Shot makes it. 26 to 2. Leo. Woo! Running down the court, taunting the other team. I literally go, Leo! First of all, because it's ridiculous. They were down 26 to 2. Second of all, you're a Klingler. You do not taunt. You know, I think he saw other kids. I'm going to blame it on other kids. They were doing this as they were running down. One were like ice in the veins, you know. Jesus is running down the court here. He's gulping. Swallow death. Death, where's your victory? Sin, where's your sting? You got nothing on me, he says. <laughs> you got nothing on me, Jesus says. He is risen. He is risen. See, Jesus' resurrection is God's toothpaste to the sting of death. Jesus' resurrection is God's toothpaste to the sting of death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Uh, what we have to ask is how. How? How is Jesus' resurrection, the anecdote, the solution, the satisfaction the power, the mercy, the might, the, the power over sin and death. How is Jesus' resurrection the anecdote to death and sin and all that has happened in our world that we know is so deeply and desperately wrong and broken? It's deep in ourselves. How? Uh, we find how, right in verses 56 and 57. Jesus' resurrection is God's toothpaste to the sting of death. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. First, the sting of death is sin. Death's stinger, uh, the sting of death, death's stinger is sin. A sin has come into our world, this world that God created all the way back in the beginning when Adam and Eve walked the earth, and, 
and the first humanity stepped before God, and, and God said, live your life in relationship with me. I'm trustworthy. I'm true. I'm, I, I'm worthy of your praise. When God said, live in relationship with me, and they and we said, no thanks. In sin, what we said is, I would rather live for me. Live according to my ways. I, I will not trust you. I will not live for you. And, and you might have told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge and good of evil. But you've told me, don't sleep with your girlfriend. You've told me, don't do this with your money. You've uh, told me, uh, reconcile your relationships. And I say, no, actually, I know a better way. I'll live for me. And death's stinger is sin, and the world is broken and shattered at that moment and every moment of our lives when we sin and disobey our God. Doesn't sin bring disaster and destruction in your life? Take, for example, God says, give your money away that it might not uh, take a hold and make you a slave to it. Be generous with your possessions. And instead, we say, no, I will live for money. I will live for power. I will ascend in life. Getting more and more of this or that for me, myself, and I. And you know when you choose to live that way, the shrapnel that it creates in your life and in your relationships you know how that destroys uh, your own soul as you find yourself captive to possessions and and how it destroys relationship as you find yourself stomping on others to get ahead and god says death stinger is sin it brings destruction and disaster in your own life it, it's broken the whole world once where there was no death now death enters uh, adam and eve are kicked out of the garden and death now reigns and rules The power of this sin is the next phrase. The power of sin in our lives is the law. It's a really interesting phrase. The power of sin is the law. Because here's what the law does. God looks at us and he lays out how to find life in him. The, 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 the law can be summarized, love God and love others. There are all these ways to do this. Uh, you know, uh, keep space in your life by Sabbathing, knowing that you're not your own king, you're not your own ruler, you're not your own provider, but instead trust in your king, trust in your provider, trust in your God. We say no. The law says, honor your mother and your father. I'm looking right at the teens. We say no. no I could look at my own life too. See, what the law does, it reveals who our God is in His holiness and His goodness. But at the same moment, when we see who He is and His goodness and His holiness, we're compelled in our sinfulness to disobey Him. He says, don't do this. We say, yes, I will. He says, do this. We say, no, I won't. See, the law shows us who our great, mighty, powerful, merciful God is, laying out the instructions for life to follow him and live in relationship with him, to love him and to love others. And we say, no, we're compelled to the opposite by our sinfulness. So in the same moment as the law reveals our God, it reveals ourselves. 
You and I, sinful, broken, self-centered people, bringing disaster and destruction in our own life. And at the same moment, the law is God's holy demand on our lives to be obeyed as an expression of love and a trust of our God. And we don't, and therefore we're condemned. In the things we think, in the things we do, in the things we don't do, our God is just to punish us. Death's sting is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, ah, but, <laughs> but in contrast, but in great hope, but it pointing to the might and the, the power and the mercy of our God, but, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But in contrast, though sin has broken our world, though sin has, has broken and destroyed ourselves and our relationships, in contrast to the power of sin is the power and the might and the mercy of our God who brings victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that little preposition. Through. Through Him and all He's done. We call that the good news of the gospel. Through everything that Jesus has done, the good news of the gospel, we have victory in Christ. It's where the chapter began, the good news of the gospel. It's where our hope lies and ends. Chapter 15 started. Now, I would remind you, this is what has happened through Jesus Christ, the victory that's been given by God to us. Because we were stuck. We couldn't do anything about our sinfulness. We've tried self-improvement. We've tried better education. We've tried new politicians. Dear Lord, and none of it works. But through Jesus, look what he did. I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel, the good news I preach to you. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast the word that I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And here it is, verse 3. I deliver to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and then He appeared. He, he appeared to many of His friends at first, and He appeared to 500 and more. For 40 days He walked the earth, alive, resurrected in a new body. It's the most logical explanation for what happened to Jesus after he was crucified, put in a tomb, and buried. That he walked the earth alive again. Why? Because our historic records here in the scriptures and in other historic records, the way the story is told highlights, man, it actually happened. They're not trying to hide the, the dirty facts of, of their doubt, their fears, and how the women were first to run to the tomb, and all the details of how it occurred. They just are sharing exactly what happened. All of his closest friends, they went from being cowards to being the most courageous, selflessly living, other-glorifying, caring for other people, while the whole time saying, he is risen, and they were slayed for it. Jesus first lived... Jesus himself lived the good news, lived the life that you and I don't live. Perfect, 
blameless and pure. We try to clean ourselves up, but we can't. We try to mend the brokenness, but we can't. Jesus lived in our place. But then notice what the good news that goes on. Then he died. He died for what? For our sins. He hangs on this cross in our place, taking the wage of our sin, paying it for us. And then he rose to newness of life, that, that he didn't stay dead, but he come, came back out of the grave, rose from the dead, that we would proclaim, you actually are God, Jesus. You have power over death. You've given me forgiveness. I had wronged you, but you forgave me. Now you're back to live in relationship and power and might and mercy with me and carry me into all of eternity where death will no longer have its sting. That's the good news. Paul summarizes this good news all over the scriptures. Listen to different ways he summarizes it. The way that Jesus conquers sin, the way that Jesus conquers death, the way that Jesus answers the problem of the law that we are unholy people. The first is Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The power of sin is the law, right? The wages of our sin is death. What we owe to our God who we have wronged is death. And Jesus says, I'll pay it for you. He took the sting. What about this next one? For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. He knew no sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Death reigned, the power of sin was a law condemning us as sinners in our broken world, in our broken hearts, in our broken minds. But Jesus, who knew no sin, he wasn't sinful at all. He, he took our place and gave us his righteousness that in him we may, might become the righteousness of God himself. How about this one? It's a little longer. It comes out of Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. And you and I, we were dead in our trespasses. That's our sins. The uncircumcision of our flesh. That just means we weren't marked as God's people by his grace yet. But God made us alive together with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. You hear that law terminology? This he set aside all the ways we'd failed, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Ah, <laughs> the proper response is seen right in the verse. But thanks be to God. Ah, oh, thank you, God. It's a simple way to say receive the gift. Receive what Jesus has done by canceling our debt, by nailing it to the cross, and then he didn't stop there. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He came to live alive with us and carry us from now into all of eternity, alive with us, walking with us. Thanks be to God. If you've never thanked God, if you've never received this gift of what Christ has done for you, man, make this your morning to do so. Uh, just everyone bow your heads right now. We normally don't do this, but I want us to talk to the living God right now in the middle of our sermon. 
The verse is simple. It says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you want to receive that this morning, it's as simple as thanking him for who Jesus is and what he's done. Receiving that gift of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the perfect life he lived in your place, admitting that you're a sinful person, but he is perfect. The death that he died in your place, removing the sting of death that he died for you in your place, and then receiving the, the life that he rose to newness of life and asking to live in relationship with him. It's as simple as saying, thank you, I receive what you've done. So if you know him this morning, just thank him. Spend a moment or two thanking him, rejoicing over him, enjoying him. But if you don't this morning, would you receive him? Would you thank him for what he's done? Would you receive his grace and the good news of the gospel? Would you receive Jesus? Father, we rejoice over what you've done for us in Christ. He lived for us, he died in our place, and he resurrected to give us newness of life and relationship with you, Father, the living God. Relationship with him, alive with us, every day walking with us. The power of the Spirit who dwells in us that we might stay in step with him. And God, we're also cognizant that right now you, you have changed the eternal placement of some of your children. That some in this room have received you and what your son has done. And for that, we give thanks and praise to you, God. We know that death no longer has sting in their life. And we rejoice. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, we have a gift for you as you go. and One is encounters with Jesus. And not everyone needs to take one. But if you're kind of questioning who is Jesus and want to get to know him a bit more, this is a great book, Encounters with Jesus. And you can grab one or sign up for one in the back. If you're like, hey, I'm not ready to pray that prayer of thanks, and I don't actually believe there's even a God, and none of this really makes sense to me, uh, there's this great book called Making Sense of God in the back. I'd recommend that to you. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. We have victory through Jesus. Mary, she stood weeping outside of the tomb, tears coming from her eyes. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus was laying, one at her head and one at her feet, and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Why did the tears roll? And she said to them, They've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping, and whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, Mary said to Jesus, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. 
She turned and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, oh, don't cling to me. You can see Mary running to him and clinging to Jesus. Don't cling to me yet, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God, and to your God. And Mary went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And then he said these things to her. Death no longer had sting in her life. She came to the tomb weeping and crying, mourning the death of her friend, the one she thought was the Savior. And he called her name. And as he had risen to life, so she rose to life in that moment. Lord, you are my Lord alive. She would never walk alone again in the brokenness of life's stings. When life stings you, when life stings me, you are not alone. He is alive and He is risen and He is with you. You can pray. You can talk with Him right now about these things. When things don't go the way you want them to, would you remember that in the brokenness you are not alone? It's a little weird, but here's what I want you to do. Take a little dab. Yep, that's right. Put it on your finger. See, Jesus' resurrection is God's toothpaste to the sting of death. You are not alone in the brokenness of life. And I just want you to, yep, yeah, uh-huh. He said, my mom said never swallow toothpaste. I know. But here's what I want to happen. When, when life stings you or sin stings you or death stings you, I want you to remember every morning when you brush your teeth, and you shouldn't just brush in the morning, and every afternoon when you brush your teeth, maybe not. And every evening when you brush your teeth, here's what I want you to remember. Jesus' resurrection is God's toothpaste, the sting of death. When life's brokenness stings you, would you remember you are not alone and would you talk to him? Would you remember you're not alone and would you reach out to his body, the church, and be carried in the brokenness? When sin stings you, you're still carrying that sin from your past. It's too grievous. He can never forgive me. Would you remember you're not condemned? The one who suffered, he suffered in your place to pay your penalty, to make you guiltless, pure, to cleanse you. And then he rose from the grave to embrace you and to forgive you and to walk with you. He's alive. When death's sting comes, It'll come to each one of us. Would you remember that you will not die? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live and he'll never die. This will change our whole lives. My beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, your labor is not in vain. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. You know, I don't think the toothpaste does anything. It's kind of like an old wives' tale. Uh, but my mom, when she held me, I think I knew, man, I'm in the arms of someone who loves me, who cares for me who's mighty and trustworthy and true.
she's the strongest of women you'll ever meet. And she held me and said, Matt, it's going to be all right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but then it was all right. We have a God, and he ran towards us in our brokenness. Every one of us, we were destroying our lives, living for ourselves. And he said, death will not have that victory. Death, you will not have that sting. And his son came. He lived in our place, the perfect life we do not live. He died in our place, the death we deserve. And then he rose to newness of life to embrace us, to forgive us, to transform us, and to walk with us in the brokenness of this world, to cleanse us from our sin that we might walk in obedience to him, and to carry us into eternal life. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Oh, let's take and eat and remember and drink that uh, the son's body was broken, his blood was spilled. And when he gave us this as a remembrance of all he is and all he's done in his life, death, and resurrection, as he gave us this communion as a reminder, he also said, and you'll drink, you'll eat this again when I return. When he makes all things new. And he comes and gathers his own, all of us in his arms if we're trusting in Christ. And he makes all things new when the perishable takes on the imperishable, when every tear is wiped away, when everything in this broken world is mended, when everything in your broken life is mended, and he clings to you and you can cling to him for eternity and enjoy it and enjoy him forever. Let's take and eat.